evening and welcome to the first campaign forum of the Santa Barbara City Council District 6 race. I'm Jerry Roberts and sitting next to me is co-moderator Josh Molina. Uh, this event is sponsored by Newsmakers with JR, which I operate with Hap Freund, my partner and producer, by Santa Barbara Talks, the popular podcast which Josh founded and hosts, and by TVSB, from whose studios we're speaking and whose live stream we're seeing. This is the first of what is likely to be several forums between now and Election Day, November 2nd, and so we're very honored that all four candidates for District 6 accepted our invitation. Let me introduce them to you now in alphabetical order. They're all joining us via Zoom and with their ballot designations. Jason Carlton, electrician business owner. Megan Harmon, city council member. Nina Johnson, local government manager. Zachary Pike, soil technician musician. Thank you all so much for joining us. The rules for the debate are simple. Josh and I will ask questions either to the candidates as a group or to a particular individual in a series of policy areas. Homelessness, the state of the city, State Street and economic development, housing, equity, and governance. Candidates will have an, a minute to answer, and we've asked them all to please uh, monitor themselves on this, but if they exceed the time limit uh, considerably, we will interrupt. If a candidate criticizes another by name in their answer, the candidate who is mentioned will get time for a brief response. And then each candidate will get two minutes to make a closing statement. Uh, and before I turn it over to uh, Josh uh, for the first topic, I just want to uh, kind of orient viewers about the District 6. Uh, Jason, uh, can you describe uh, for the viewers the boundaries of District 6 and which neighborhoods are included? So the boundaries are um, State Street to 101 and then Alamar goes down to Ailey and then it cuts up, cuts up to Ortega for Castillo, Bath, and I'm not sure about um, De La Vina. I think it might take it all the way down to Ailey as well. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Megan Harmon, how many people live in District 6 and how many of them are registered voters? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I, I really am so happy to be here and so excited to get this conversation going. You know, we have got a, a pretty uh, large number of folks in District 6. We have uh, between 12 and 14,000 and I believe that approximately 6,500 are registered voters. Okay. So Nina Johnson, given that, how many votes you figure it'll take to win election in District 6? I think we need, I'm hearing based on what we can expect from our voter turnout, we need 2,000 to 2,500 votes. Between 2,000 and 2,500, very good. Uh, and Zachary Pike, when you talk to the voters in District 6, what's the number one issue on their minds? What do you hear about most? Uh, homelessness, top of the list. The homelessness crisis. All right. Well, great. Well, that's a great uh, transition then, because that's our first uh, uh, our first, first topic. Question. Okay. Thank you, Jerry, uh, and thank you to all the candidates for being here today. Uh, we're going to start with the topic of homelessness, and the first question is for candidate Jason Carlton. Homelessness has been a challenge for Santa Barbara for decades, and 
continues to hurt downtown businesses and property owners in District 6. Jason, please name a couple of specific ideas you would put forth as a council member to deal with the homeless problems on State Street. And we're talking about things that the city's currently not doing. Well, I think we need to identify the homelessness, first of all, because we have three separate tiers. You have people that have job loss, um, an injury or something that caused them to be homeless, and then you have mental illness, and then thirdly, you have uh, addiction issues. And some of those overlap in the you know lower tiers, so that each of them need to, to be addressed differently. So you need uh, specific services for people that have mental illness, specific, uh, specific services for addiction and specific services for people that, and I, I haven't figured out a good term to legitimately homeless due to like, um, you know, uh, uh, job loss, uh, bad family situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think one of the things we've been looking at is I think the city needs to team up with the city of Lita and Carpinteria to see if we can pull funds from the, um, the county of Santa Barbara, because right now the county is getting funds from the, um, the feds and that those funds aren't trickling down to our city. So the cities are using more of our, you know, our, our resources to deal with this problem when really it should be more of a county issue. Jason, I'm gonna push back just a little bit here. Yes. You said we need to specifically do some things. What are the specific things <clears throat> that you would like to do? Well, I think we also look at, have to look at this as a management issue. So um, I don't think homelessness is solvable. I think it's you know, a, a management issue. One of the things we looked at was possibly creating an environment where we can, um, like a kind of like two tent city. Uh, one of them would be out at um, the Elephant Bar was an idea where we could be, um, provide uh, services for mental illness um, and um, uh, addiction issues. Um, and then the hotels that we have downtown, we could do a 90 day program where people have lost jobs or you know a, a health or medical issue has caused them to be homeless. Okay. and provide them with services as far as education and a job placement. Okay, thank you, appreciate that clarity. Okay, next question is for council member and candidate Megan Harmon. Uh, Megan Harmon, District 6 has more homeless people than any other location in Santa Barbara County. You've been on the city council for a couple years now. Why shouldn't district voters conclude that you failed to deal with the problem and why shouldn't they give somebody else a new chance to deal with it? Thank you for that question. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that District 6 really is the epicenter of the homeless crisis in our community. And many of the impacts of homelessness are felt most acutely in our district. Look, homelessness is um, in many ways an intractable problem. It's a problem um, that a lot of communities are facing. It's a problem that takes dedication, that takes commitment, and that takes money to solve. So. I'm proud to say that we are moving forward with tangible programs to solve homelessness, not just to put a Band-Aid on it, but to solve it and to truly ameliorate the impacts that are felt in our communities. A perfect example is um, the motel project that we recently undertook to get folks out of the encampments, many of which were in District 6 and posing significant fire risk and into transitional housing. That's been a huge success that's the kind of program that we need to invest in and that we need to continue to show political courage to do and to actually make a real difference um, to the neighborhoods. Okay, thank you. Uh, moving on to candidate Nina Johnson. Uh, Nina Johnson, you've been working in influential positions at City Hall for, for many years, during which city government and nonprofits have spent, you know, uncounted tens of millions of dollars on the homelessness issue. 
and you know we can debate this but we still have a homeless problem we still have a homeless issue why shouldn't voters conclude that it's the self-interest of the city hall bureaucracy to perpetuate the problem in terms of getting more funding rather than addressing it head on what I'd like to see is an approach where with all of the various contracts that we have in place for social service providers and agencies that are dealing with homelessness that we really hold all of our organizations accountable and our staff roles are very clear in terms of who is doing what. Uh, I'd like to see a more data-driven approach so that we know what progress we're making and what our outcomes are that we're defining those. And I wanna make sure that these organizations that they're working in partnership with one another, they have the information that they need. Do they have systems in place to be able to track how many beds are available on a given night? Do we have that information so that police officers can help them and refer them to social service providers and so forth? We need mental health outreach workers. We need people who are specifically trained on the street to help people with substance abuse and mental health needs. That's a high priority, and I think we've seen that in decline over the past few years. And being able to enforce our sit and lie ordinance, uh, being able to enforce our own laws so that we create a safe and inviting atmosphere outside of businesses so that people feel welcome and business owners and employees feel safe. That's so important, and we've been hearing that for many, many years. Um, we also need efforts to educate okay. the community. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and I, I just want to, I just want to point out that, in that context, the question is: You've been at City Hall for a long time, so sort of looking at explanations as to why you haven't, or why the city hasn't addressed the very things you're talking about. And as a City Hall employee, I think it's fair to ask you those questions. So keep that in mind going forward, Nina, when we ask you those questions. Uh, next question is for Zachary Pike. Zachary, do you consider homelessness primarily to be a housing problem? a public health social welfare problem or a law enforcement problem um, which would best define your approach to dealing with the homelessness issue well, i think you would have to first look at the root causes of it like like jason said earlier you have the, th the different types of, of uh, causes of homelessness um, people can't find work there's not a lot of work uh, a living a living wage would be a, a, a good thing to have in the city because you simply cannot live off of minimum wage right now, federal minimum wage. Uh, we need a citywide living wage. Uh, addiction issues, we have so many liquor licenses in, the, in District 6, so many places to get your hands on vices, things that, um, that it's too easy for people to just uh, get a hold of the things that, that trouble them. So I would say put a cap on liquor licenses, no more liquor licenses downtown. Um, It's an issue of compassion. I mean, we need to look at it as, as an issue of compassion and not a nuisance. I, I don't think, I agree I agree with the sentiment that it's gonna be an issue for a long time, not something that's easily solvable. So I think we just have to figure out how to manage it and slowly, slowly funnel it down into a, a solution. Okay, all right, thank you, appreciate that. All right, uh, uh, next question is gonna, next set of questions are gonna be on the state of the city, Jerry. Uh, Megan, uh, during your time on the council, um, the city's been confronted with three great crises, the pandemic, the economic shutdown, and demands for racial equity, in addition to chronic problems like homelessness and the decline of retail. 
What letter grade would you give yourself and your colleagues on the council in how you've confronted those crises? Well, thank you for that question. Each of those crises is distinct, but obviously all come together um, to bring us to this moment really of transformation. And, and um, I am proud of the work that I've done on the Santa Barbara City Council to confront those issues head on, to confront them through a lens of equity, and to really focus on tangible policy changes that move our community forward. Um, COVID-19 has been an immense challenge for all of us. I, I think we have faced new and unforeseen circumstances. The City Council is not immune from that. And, and certainly we have not always agreed, but city council is a forum for ideas. It's a forum for debate. It's a forum for discussion. And I'm proud of having responded to those various crises with tangible, tangible policy directives that move the community forward. So in terms of responding to the actual question, uh, would that be uh, what a B minus? It sounds like a B plus. What, what, what do you think? Well, I don't grade on a curve, Jerry, but I'm very proud of the work that I've done. I think that I have responded clearly, concisely, and with tangible action to the various crises. I'm proud of the work that I've done. So C plus, what? What do you think? I, if you're gonna make me say, I'm an A student, Jerry, I'm gonna give myself an A. I've worked hard and I've worked hard in, in the partnership with our community to really have our shared values put into practice on the Santa Barbara City Council. Fair, fair, That's fair enough. Nita Johnson, um, you have an interesting perspective of watching uh, as a staff member the, the elected officials uh, conduct business and now you're uh, trying to go over to the dark side, I guess, or, or wait, wait, maybe it's not that, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but uh, you just heard Ms. Harmon say, um, uh, the council deserves an A for its performance over the past extraordinary year and a half. Um, why do you believe she does not deserve re-election and it, it, why you would do a better job? I think we need a different culture at the city and this is a moment uh, that clearly we've had a lot of challenges through the pandemic and I think the council has done fine in managing through those and keeping the community going. But at this point, we need a different culture at the city where we're looking to more of our talented community members, listening, being more inclusive and responsive to a lot of their needs. From what I see after so many years is our council chambers has turned into more of a courtroom and we don't have early conversations, people engaged early on through policy debates and projects throughout. And this is really concerning me and it's only it's many people that I'm talking to that tell me that they would like to be more involved, that they feel hurt and unheard sometimes when they are participating in our public dialogues. And this concerns me. We need a process and we need a culture that's really valuing more voices, bringing more people into the conversation and not just at a listening workshop up front and not just at a council meeting at the very end of a project where people are coming together uh, and they can't agree. We need people to be brainstorming and figuring things out, problem solving early and throughout uh, all of our issues. And that's the approach that I'm gonna be encouraging and making sure we have throughout the organization. That's what I will bring as a council member. All right, thank you uh, for, for that answer. 
Uh, Zachary Pike, uh, you have no experience uh, working on muni uh, municipal issues, and given the seriousness of the challenges the city faces, why should District 6 residents uh, give their vote to someone uh, who would be starting from scratch, that the city council is an entry-level position? Well, it's a time for change. There, there's so much uh, dissonance in the city right now that, that no one's communicating, no one's talking, no one, everyone's focusing on their disagreements rather than with the agreements in front of them. There's a lot of different uh, viewpoints coming into play. And I'm from Santa Barbara, I grew up here, lived my whole life here, been a, a downtown resident for 30 years. So I've kind of been a witness to Santa Barbara unfold itself. And I figure now with the pandemic, so many changes on the rise, I figured maybe it's time to throw my hat in the ring and, and you know, bring it down a notch. My goal is to simply be a representative for the people that, that live here, that work here, that are from here. Uh, and I think I have that perspective that I can bring with some common sense and pragmatism and look at the issues kind of with an open mind and with a, with a, a, a history as a local. All right, fair enough. Um, Jason Carlton, in uh, any election when an office holder is seeking re-election, uh, the first task for the challenger is to explain why the incumbent should not be returned to office. What's the case against Ms. Harmon, and, and why should voters believe uh, you would do better? I don't know if I'd make the case against Ms. Harmon herself, but against the whole <clears throat> council and the city manager. We've uh, I've watched the city uh, where you know the residents and the community want change. They wanted State Street shut down. They wanted um, planning and zoning to be more agreeable, which they haven't. They paid for an outside firm to give them the same answer that the city, what the, you know, the city residents have told them for years and years. And then, after the during the pandemic, when everything was shutting down, we had you know leaders like you know Starbucks, the CEO took a pay cut or took no pay to make sure that the lowest paid employees and stayed employed. Where city city hall laid off like 600 or 700 of lowest paid employees. Nobody took a cut until the, the public kind of came after them. They took a 10% cut. And then the homeless issue is just compounded where the homeless issue got bigger and bigger. We had multiple fires on the side of freeways for months and months. And they basically took somebody turning TV Hill into an ashtray before they started you know, taking note of it and doing something about it. So I think that's uh, really significant. All right, fair enough. Thank you all for your um, responses and, and for your self-discipline in, in, in keeping them within time. Uh, Josh has some questions about uh, uh, State Street and, and economic development. Thank you, Jerry. Okay, uh, first question is for candidate Nina Johnson. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Paseo Nuevo. Paseo Nuevo was once an anchor of downtown, particularly for its retail establishments. Uh, some say its best days are, are behind it. Recently, developer Ed St. George proposed 1,000 housing units on that site. Uh, what is your vision? What is your plan? What, what do you want to do with Paseo Nuevo? Uh, how, 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 what kind of a uh, uh, role should Paseo Nuevo play in our downtown? The city has the ground lease for Paseo Nuevo and the former Macy's building. It's a community property. So the city council and our staff, we need to be negotiating for the best interests of our, of our residents and housing, I don't know whether a thousand units, that sounds pretty high, 
uh, for that site, but um, I'm not an architect and maybe uh, there are ways to get to that kind of housing. Um, we need to be negotiating for the best interests and our needs. Uh, so right now there's a proposal to extend the lease uh, of that property and we need to be negotiating to get housing and also other community uses for our arts organizations, Center Stage Theater and the Museum of Contemporary Art who are also there, making sure that we have enough uh, space for the community needs that we want to, to bring people downtown. So we need to be uh, negotiating and seeing this property as our own, something that belongs to the community. Just a little follow-up, you know that there, there was a development agreement, the planning commission said, we need to go back and relook at this. The city's not getting enough out of it. What is your take? Do you, do you wanna throw out the existing development agreement or do you think that what had been worked on with the, the officials over the last several years is, is what we should be doing? We need more. We need more and we have been pushing for more community involvement and input, but I think that uh, the needs of the community have not been negotiated for as part of this discussion. Okay. All right, next question is for Zachary Pike. Uh, we know that uh, we talk about Nordstrom's, we talk about Macy's. These are two downtown retail anchors that we don't have anymore in the city of Santa Barbara. And th that largely symbolizes the larger sort of uh, you know, decline in retail uses on State Street. We have empty storefronts, we have the big box stores that are leaving. Uh, what is your plan if you're elected to sort of come up with a way to create a new tax base or to bring back uh, a retail tax base, which is so important to the city? I'm not so sure a retail base is going to be happening in the future, the way business on the internet is. Uh, it's just kind of like a hard fact of life that everyone's buying their, their stuff on the internet now. So as far as retail taxes, I think we need to look at more production facilities, production businesses, uh, manufacturing maybe. Uh, what would I do? That's a tough question. I think we need to court more of the uh, the internet businesses. We have we have PayPal and Honey here, mm -hmm. the new Silicon Beach that, that's come to California. I think that's going to be where most of the the money will come from. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, uh, next message. Next question is for Jason Carlton. As you know, as an emergency measure, the city council closed several blocks of State Street uh, to help restaurants survive. They allowed outdoor dining. Uh, some of the, the side streets were allowed parklets as well. Uh, but with that came some pushback. Some people have said you've side the city sidestepped the planning process, the design review process. Uh, what would you do to sort of balance those two perspectives? Obviously, uh, Santa Barbara is built on the back of people who made thoughtful decisions about design and the way Santa Barbara should look. At the same time, business is what runs the city. How would you balance those two perspectives? Well, I think design needs to start walking the neighborhoods and talking to the community and the business owners because 95% of the business owners and community and tourists like the walking promenade and like the way it's set up right now. There's about 5% that have some pushback, which I do understand the promenades for the restaurants will block some of the signage for some of the retail stores. So. Uh, you know, going forward, I, I'd like to see a more permanent solution 
Uh, again, I haven't heard a lot of complaints. Um, I'd like to maybe see uh, restaurants move back up to the sidewalks and actually the, the street itself to become more of the walking promenade and maybe the retail stores can come out into the, into the sidewalk a little more, kind of give it more of a European feel to it. Okay, thank you. Uh, next question is for council member uh, candidate Megan Harmon. I want to ask you the same question that I asked Nina Johnson. Uh, what do you think of Ed St. George's proposal to build a thousand units at Paseo Nuevo and then from there go into what is your plan? What is your vision for, for uh, that downtown mall? Yeah, thank you very much for that. This is um, a, a topic that I'm really passionate about. I want to see housing at Paseo Nuevo. Housing and mixed use is a critical component of the path forward for our downtown core. Paseo Nuevo, and I'm gonna try not to get too real estate finance lawyer here, is particularly complicated. The ground lease in the middle parcel has over 30 years left on the lease. There's an existing what we call reciprocal easement agreement. That agreement actually specifically states the acceptable uses of those three parcels. And guess what? Housing is not included in that agreement. It's office and retail. So I have been working hard with the stakeholders behind the seats using that development agreement as leverage to renegotiate that REA. That's step one. Step two is from a city perspective, really pushing forward creative adaptive reuse strategies. That is how we are going to make it attractive for developers to put the kind of housing we need, not just any housing, but mixed use affordable housing in those spaces for real downtown residents to use. Okay, thank you. Cherry? Yeah, before, um, well, uh, well, we'll come back to uh, that point. Um, Jason uh, Carlton, um, as you know, the state legislature uh, recently passed Senate Bill 9 uh, which removes most local zoning control over lot splits and creates a stat state mandated right for property owners to build uh, up to four units on a single lot without a lot of uh, a local review. Do you support that approach, uh, four units to a lot, and why or why not? Um, I wouldn't support that use right now. I think we have plenty of open uh, spaces and buildings that aren't being used at this time, and I'd like to see those fill up with mixed use downtown. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity now that we could use those spaces for residential because at, at the end of the day, you really can't be a green city or work towards being a green city if you have uh, people working, you know, low income jobs commuting from Santa Maria, Oxnard, Ventura, and from the Valley. Okay, thank you. Uh, Megan uh, Harmon, two uh, simple uh, specific numerical questions. First, uh, amid all the debate about housing and hotels downtown, how high should Santa Barbara allow buildings downtown to be? There I is not a specific number that I can give you, Jerry. Here is the reality. There are certain areas where there may be a good fit for buildings to go a little bit higher than the allowable 45 feet. As I've said consistently, one of the keys to getting adaptive reuse strategies in place in our city, to getting mixed use downtown, is to show flexibility and engagement with our local developers. That has to be part of the equation. Well, would you, 
do you believe there should be a ceiling at all? I mean, you say a little bit more than 45. What's a little bit? 72 feet? 48, I think, is a, a, a number that I've heard quite often from architects that there's a lot of interest in. That makes a big difference in the, the ability to get ceiling heights and to get a few more units in. The key here is going to be our move to floor to lot area ratio zoning. That gives us the capacity to actually look block by block, what is going to fit? What do we need here? And what can we put forth to maintain the character of our community while also getting the affordable housing that we need for working families in District 6? So would you rule out any uh, support for any project that's uh, higher than 48 feet? Sorry? Would you rule out supporting any project that is higher than 48 feet? I think with all the rules that are coming down from Sacramento, our city council and I personally cannot be in a position to rule out projects. What we need to be doing is coming to the table with our private and public developers and thinking about how we can put together projects that best serve the community. All right, so, me, so no, that's not the approach that I take to housing okay, policy. Okay, all right. Uh, so let me, one other number question. Uh, as, you, as you know, the city's population is right now about 90,000. And as someone who consistently argues that we have a housing crisis, give us a number for the size of the population you believe housing should be built to accommodate. I, this question I get a lot. I, I don't think that, that, that there is an answer that I can give to that. The reality is we 150, don't have enough 150,000 people, you think, in Santa Barbara? Well, I, I would hope not, but look, here's the truth of the matter, Jerry. We don't have housing to house the 90,000 people we currently have. So I think that's something that we really need to focus on. The housing crisis is about housing families that are here, housing my neighbors in District 6 who are struggling to find housing that they can afford. So the question of how big should we grow? Look, we have people here who already are crammed to many families in a room. We need to build for them, and that's what my focus is. So, so it's more of a piecemeal approach rather than a strategic approach in that you don't really have an end goal towards which you're building. Would that be a fair well, statement? Well, constitutionally, we can't limit the number of people that come into the city of Santa Barbara. So um, it's an argument in many ways that I think um, is not worth having. The argument that is worth having is how do we put together policy that actually gets the housing that we need in a sustainable way, in a way that's environmentally friendly, and in a way that gives us the type of units that working families can afford. Again, with no ceiling, just as in in terms of the, of the buildings, you wouldn't put a cap on the number of population, even as a planning matter uh, or as a, uh, as a goal, right? As a planning matter, I would love for us to stay exactly where we are today. Okay, thanks. Uh, Nina, same two questions. What should be the height limit downtown and what's the size of the population you think represents the carrying capacity of Santa Barbara in terms of water and other resources and services? Yes, I also feel that we should stick with 48 feet and I think any, any feet beyond that, I think that needs to be handled and reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. I think we need to give our property owners the flexibility to develop housing on their sites and recognize that every site is unique and different. We need to be sensitive to neighborhood character and the historic sites, uh, particularly downtown. I think we need to give them flexibility in the type of units 
Uh, they need a wide range of units and we should not give them too many restrictions if we want to see them actually develop projects that pencil out because if they don't see any type of profit in developing that project they're going to choose another project a hotel or some other use or leave it vacant even worse and we're not going to have any housing units um, i would prefer to see for more of our affordable housing more of our, our adus our accessory dwelling unit that process streamlined um, and i'd also like to see for our affordable housing more the inventory of our public properties downtown that's where we should be getting the biggest bang for the buck and we have public financing tools to put that together and can open that up for development proposals but we should let our private investors do whatever they can to get the housing units they can on those properties and convert these vacant buildings and real quickly what about the what about the population question should should santa barbara be a, a city of 150,000 people 120,000 what do you think no, I think we need. I think we need to get to ninety thousand. Keep it, keep it where it is. Exactly. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Zach, um, uh, as you know, there's a lot of renters in District uh, Six. Do you think Santa Barbara should institute rent controls, and how would you balance the interest of renters and landlords in terms of eviction uh, regulations? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I'm not getting this out. Yeah, uh, do you think Santa Barbara should institute rent control? And how, do you, how would you balance the interests of renters and landlords in terms of eviction regulations? That's a tough question. I think we absolutely need to have rent control. I think we absolutely need to have protections for tenants. And how to balance that with the landlords is a tough call. Uh, it seems that nowadays some of the 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 most jobs you can find are jobs with property management companies because people are making a huge profit off of their uh, their properties. Um, it's out of control. Uh, if you want a healthy workforce in the city, if you want people to be able to live here and 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 continue to support the, the health of the city, we need to protect those people that make the, the backbone of Santa Barbara. All right, thank you. All right, our next questions are uh, about uh, equity. Josh. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, uh, we're gonna uh, start again with uh, Megan Harmon. Uh, in the wake of the protests over the murder of George Floyd, Megan, you led the charge to establish a first-time citizen review process for the Santa Barbara Police Department. Do you believe there's systemic racism in the Santa Barbara Police Department? And if so, can you be specific on what data shows that? Um, the answer to that, Josh, is yes there is systemic racism. And the reason that I can be so unequivocal about that question is because it goes to the very root of what systemic or structural racism is. Structural racism describes the reality of discriminatory attitudes that are embedded into the very operations of our cultural, governmental, economic, housing, health systems. So of course there is structural racism. There is structural racism in every institution um, that we have. And, and that's part of why we need to take an equity lens to the decisions that we make in the city of Santa Barbara, to recognize that structural racism and set policies that, that try to create an environment where everyone has the opportunity to live healthy, full, productive lives. I'm extremely proud of the Community Formation Commission, an opportunity that really gave citizens who have found themselves too often shut out of the process with a seat at the table, 
to really come together with our police department and say, how do we move forward in transparency, in partnership, and try to put together a system, a policy that undoes some of that structural racism that is baked into the institution. Can, can you, uh, just one thing, can you answer the question, because there's certainly people watching who are saying, <clears throat> not Santa Barbara, I mean, that kind of stuff happens in the big cities, it happens somewhere else. We've got a great Santa Barbara Police Department here, and where's the specific data to show it? Can you answer the question of how you can be so certain that even though we're not Minneapolis or we're not this big city, that it still exists here? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll start by saying I agree. We do have a great Santa Barbara Police Department full of dedicated officers that spend their time really engaging with the community. I have anecdata and, and truthfully, structural racism is everywhere. I, I don't have a report that I can point to, but look, that's part of the function of the civilian oversight system. We will then, through this review board, whatever the form, you know, the formation commission decides, have a set of data from which we can make recommendations and policy de decisions. But the question of structural racism and does it exist is bigger than a specific report or a specific data. I believe that it does. I believe that it exists in every institution we have in this country. Um, and, and I think it's incumbent on us to do the work to undo that. And we don't have to be Minneapolis. We don't have to be New York City to do that work. Okay, thank you. Uh, next question is for Nina Johnson. Um, a little bit of a twist on it, but the same question. Nina, you've worked at City Hall for almost 25 years. Do you believe there's systemic racism and or genderism in city government? And if so, how have you seen it play out? I think we need to, and I'm glad we're, I think we need to look at all services, all departments, uh, with, with all of this that we've seen and learned, instead of looking only at our public safety functions, all of our departments, our supervisors, managers, our executives, need to look very carefully at how we make sure all all employees have opportunities, how they're recognized for their achievements and their contributions, if they have ways to grow, uh, if they can develop a career path. I think we need to look at how uh, we're providing information and how we're including people in discussions and meetings and how decisions are made. I think we need to look more broadly in the community at how we're providing funding for different organizations how we offer information, how we design our public spaces. I think we need to do a full comprehensive audit uh, and reflect, have honest conversations about how we make sure there's fairness and transparency and that we're inclusive. We provide a lot of opportunities and open it up so that there aren't just a few who are benefiting. Okay, I'm gonna give you um, one more, one more follow-up question and it's a little bit of a tough one, but you've been there 25 years. Do you feel you've always been treated equally as men in terms of given opportunities at City Hall? No, <laughs> I don't feel that. Um, and I have developed my own style, but I think that we don't always realize uh, how there are different, different people need to contribute. Uh, they, we need to help mentor uh, women in the workplace, uh, especially to get to executive roles. Um, but I am taking my own path and I'm resolving my situation in a different way because I want to fix the system. 
I don't want to complain about it okay. at, or have hard feelings. I want to make improvements so others can benefit from it. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that answer. Okay, uh, next question is for Zach Pike. Um, of the city's uh, department heads, um, there's city, the city has 12 departments, 12 department heads, eight of them are men, only two people of color. Um, there's, I think, believe there's four uh, females who are department heads. Um, if you were on the city council, would you consider it a priority for you to encourage staff to hire diversity, to seek out women, to seek out people of color, to, te to seek out people who are traditionally underrepresented to serve in these leadership positions? Would that be a priority for you and how would you do that? Absolutely, it would be a priority. I think uh, being inclusive is, is, uh, is progressive. And I think being progressive is, is a new vision, a new vision for Santa Barbara. It's Jason Froze. Uh, or... You there, Zach? Zach Froze. There he is. Okay, you're back. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting here. Yeah. Okay. Um, where, where'd you leave me off at? <laughs> it's a priority. Priority, yes, yeah, would make a priority. Absolutely. Okay. All right, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, uh, last question in this round. Yeah, last question for this round uh, is for Jason Carlton. Okay, uh, members of Healing Justice, Black Lives Matter, requested a $500,000 expenditure from the city to uh, help pay for rent for a black African-American community center. Uh, Council member Megan Harmon voted against this. Would you have supported it? Yeah, what if we had the money in the budget? Of course. I mean, but I, I think one of the things we need to look at, which I have never seen, is the balanced budget for the city. So it's hard to tell where money should go to if we don't know if it's going to the right places. I mean, I guess the question there, Jason, is. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I'm following up a little bit. The question is, where there's a yeah, will, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Would you have figured out a way to find the money? regardless of the amount in the context of the other budgetary issues, because that was a, a priority for you. Again, I would have to look at balancing the budget and seeing where money is coming from, where it needs to go. And I think that's one of the issues that I see with City Hall right now is there are a lot of yeses without any idea where the money's coming from. And just like in my business, I've watched our fees for permits go up 25% during COVID when people lost their jobs. So I don't know how they justified raising permit fees while people aren't working. So again, I'd like to find out where the money, what our budget looks like, see it balanced, and then find out uh, what money, uh, you know, where money can go to where it best represents the public. Okay. All right. Thank you for those answers. Our last topic is governance. Jerry. Oh, okay. Uh, we're running a little bit long. Uh, it's a great conversation, and I really appreciate you all. Uh, um, your contributions to it, uh, but let's uh, just try to tighten up our answers on this part. Um, Nina Johnson, uh, longtime city administrator Paul Casey recently resigned. City has an interim police chief. Our transportation chief is out on leave. We just hired replacements for the community development director who was forced out. Also for public works director with the former leader of that office now serving as a fill-in administrator. And at the same time, the city's being sued for sexual harassment claims alleged against the former budget director. The overall picture is one of chaos at City Hall. Is that an accurate description? 
somewhat, uh, <laughs> but we are going to direct all of this into positive constructive changes with all of those moving staff positions. This is an opportunity for us to change the culture of the city and to make sure we have systems in place uh, that help us get to yes, help us listen and problem solve, be more responsive in the community. Um, I think that I've learned so much over the years from several mayors and many council members that I've had the opportunity to work under. And I think that there are so many different ways that we could lead uh, through this. And I wanna help recalibrate some of those roles and help the city council and the mayor lead, be more effective. So I, I think we have a great opportunity here. Uh, selecting and recruiting the city manager okay. is a, a key opportunity. It's one of the reasons I'm running because this is my industry. Uh, this is the field that I am in, and there are many great people out there that we can bring in and that would set the pace and really set right. a new culture and style of doing things. Thank you. All right, uh, Zach, uh, following up on that point, what qualifications do you believe are most important uh, in selecting the next city administrator? Can you hear me, Zach? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, did you hear the question? Can you repeat it? Yeah, what qualifications uh, are do you believe are most important in selecting the next city administrator? Uh, someone who can bring people together, someone um, with experience with the city already. Uh, I think the interim manager now, I think she's a fantastic person for the job if she liked the job. Um, uh, someone that can make a more cohesive government that we have now. Someone who's open to a new vision, new policies, uh, open to trying new things, uh, spending more money for better results, uh, less research, less committees. Um, this, this state we're in right now, this dissonance and this chaos, on a positive spin, it's open for change. It's open for transition. Right. And I think that the time is right now to find someone who's open for for trying new things. All right, fair enough. Um, Megan Harmon, you uh, recently lobbied for and received an appointment from the governor to the California Coastal Commission, uh, and many longtime city hall observers have been struck by your uh, rapid rise in politics. If District 6 voters elect you after you've been serving in an appointed capacity, uh, will you pledge here tonight to serve a full four-year term, or will you leave the door open to seeking another office? I am all in for the city of Santa Barbara, Jerry. I cannot wait to serve the full four-year term and hopefully another term after that. I am focused on policy that creates change for the residents of the city of Santa Barbara. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I'm doing on the California Coastal Commission, bringing our values to the state level, fighting for our coast, our most valued resource. Um, this is the honor of a lifetime to represent District 6 on the Santa Barbara City Council, and I am 100% in. So, you're, so, you're, so you would rule out uh, running for any other office over the next Absolutely. four years? Absolutely. Okay. I'm all in. Good. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Jason, uh, uh, Ms. Harmon recently voted to implement a new project labor agreement uh, that benefits labor unions and uh, union uh, construction companies in awarding public works contracts of $5 million and over. Uh, do you think that's a fair approach, and would you have supported the project labor agreement system? Uh, yeah, I'm an IBW member myself, so I do agree with a lot of the union um, contracts. 
Um, we, of course, are a um, service union, so we guarantee uh, wages, uh, uh, health care, and retirement. We don't guarantee jobs, but you always have the opportunity to prove yourself out in the field. Um, I would actually like to see that agreement come down some. I went up and talked to the IBW about it. There seems to be a hiccup with when uh, an outside contractor brings in their people, they have to pay health care there and then pay into the union health care. So I'd like to see uh, an exemption on that and then bring that down because what's happening now is that we could bring in an outside contractor. They can bring in all their people under $5 million, take that money, and that money doesn't stay in our community anymore. It leaves our community. Right. And I think it would be best benefit Santa Barbara itself if that money, uh, those local workers can work and make that money and keep it in our community. So do you think that the, the project labor uh, agreement is now uh, constituted, uh, considers local to be the three county, bay, uh, the three county area, uh, uh, Ventura, Santa Barbara, uh, and uh, San Luis Obispo, do you think it should be uh, tightly restricted to, to the city of Santa Barbara for uh, city? No, projects? I think the, the Tri-Cities is fine. I, I'm looking more outside like LA contractors or San Francisco contractor or Bakersfield contractor, somebody, you know, if it's staying in the Central Coast, it, it kind of mixed masses between the Central Coast. So I'm, I'm fine with the, the money staying here. All right, fair enough. All right, well, now we turn to uh, closing statements, Josh. Thank you, Jerry. Okay, each candidate has two minutes for a closing statement. We'll begin where we started with candidate Jason Carlton. I just want to thank everybody for bringing me on. I want to thank my team for supporting me and going out boots on the ground and talking to the community. Um, I think that, I want to also say that, I think that if we want to keep the same route, then we're going to you know, pick the insiders. If we want to change course, and do something different. We're going to uh, pick somebody who hasn't been in government, who has worked. Uh, I've worked as an electrician my entire life. I, I took a chance and started my own business, so I understand what it means to make real sacrifices. Um, and I think that um, I'm going to be looking out for you know, as a public servant, I'll be out you know on on the ground talking to the public and bring, bringing the public's concerns and needs to City Council. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Megan Harmon, you're next. Thank you so much. Well, I, I just want to start by saying very simply to the residents of District 6, it's an honor to represent you on the City Council. Together, we've enacted some really transformative policies to support working families. I fought to finally make the State Street Promenade a reality, an idea that had been stalled for decades by bureaucratic red tape. And I am so excited to work alongside you to see this effort through to produce something permanent, something beautiful and sustainable and thriving for our downtown. And I'm particularly proud of the work we've done in the housing space. As a renter and a working mom, I understand how difficult it is to make ends meet, particularly when it comes to finding and affording housing in our district. I led the charge for increased affordability requirements in our AUD housing ordinance, and I demanded that the city overhaul its permitting processes. I was also a strong voice in favor of eviction protection in our city, and I'm proud to say that we've passed this, uh, the most protective tenants' rights ordinance in Santa Barbara's history. I also led efforts to provide pandemic rental assistance to our residents. That's real money that went directly into the pockets of local working families. I've championed innovative policies to achieve citizen participation, to truly empower residents, all our residents, not just the insiders, to have a voice. The State Street Advisory Committee, on which I sit, 
brings to together a broad range of expertise. And the Community Formation Commission, which we talked about, a community that's truly reflective of our diverse Santa Barbara community. So I'll just close by saying we've come a long way. We are weathering this global pandemic. We are setting our city up to emerge stronger, more resilient, more just, more equitable, a place that works better for all of us. Uh, but much work remains to be done, and I respectfully ask for your vote on November 2nd to continue my proven, effective leadership in service of our shared purpose. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, next up is Nina Johnson. Thank you. I first want to thank everyone for taking the time to watch and get informed, learn about all the candidates and the is issues affecting the city and District 6. I've been apolitical outside of voting my whole life, and it's been a very difficult decision for me to decide to run for city council, uh, but I've decided that this is what's needed in order to change the culture of the city to listen, problem solve, and be more collaborative to get the changes that we want to see while protecting what's special about Santa Barbara. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with many staff, council members, mayors over the years, and I can't wait to be a team member uh, to join and help them achieve their goals. I feel that the most urgent need on council is experience, vision, and a hands-on, bold, courageous approach to get our problems solved. We really need to focus on the root causes of our problems. And I'm answering that call. I'm bringing 25 years of experience, knowledge of all city department operations and services, and the ability to bring people together, often diverse interests to get things done. I have a strong track record of listening to the community and coming up with creative, innovative approaches to get things done. Um, I would be honored to have your vote on November 2nd and look forward to partnering with you to get things done as your council member. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, we move to Zachary Pike. Uh, I'm Zachary Pike. I've been a downtown resident for three decades. I love, love Santa Barbara. Um, working class resident of District 6. And I can tell you what I'm, uh, the platform that I'm running on, if elected, uh, job creation, a living wage, more affordable housing, uh, protection for tenants, uh, less density in the downtown area, uh, a downtown corridor that prioritizes the residents of District 6, a progressive vision and policy for the city council, environmental protections, and po policies for the home Earth Day. This is the birthplace of Earth Day. Let's 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 uh, make some big changes in our in our downtown area. Um, I promise to work with the mayor and the city council to achieve all all of these goals. Uh, and I appreciate your support. Thanks for uh, giving me the time. Okay, thank you, Zachary. Uh, that concludes today's forum, co-sponsored by Newsmakers, Santa Barbara Talks, and TVSB. We want to thank the candidates, not only for taking the time to appear today, but for putting themselves out there in public in what can be a very challenging experience. And we thank our viewers and listeners with Santa Barbara. We thank our, our, our listeners and our viewers. Santa Barbara's at an inflection point in history. This is a highly consequential election. So please don't forget to vote. Thank you.